Hi, of course, it's Colin Quinn, and you're listening to the podcast on the Pantheon Network. Hey, I'm Nick DiMatteo, and welcome to Season 5, Episode 46 of Music is Not a Genre. This is actually the final episode of the season. Uh, let me do the MXG. I've been trying to, I've been trying to perfect these hand gestures. Uh, I've done it the entire season and, and I'm kind of almost there, but you'd think I'd be a little better, but they, you know, there's reasons for that. Thank you as always for watching and listening. Don't forget you can support this podcast at patreon.com slash at music is not a genre. I'm going to keep the spiel short today for reasons that you may be able to see if you are watching and not just listening. Uh, please go to youtube.com slash at music is not a genre and subscribe. You get all the videos for these. So if you're just listening, you get to see all the lovely faces on this podcast and the wonderful set in the back. Uh, also, go to nickdomadio.com where you get absolutely everything, including the podcast and the music and the voiceovers and the acting and the blog and my merch store where I have shirts and mugs, quite a few. You still get 20% off, off as of the uh, publication of this episode if you use the code SUMMER2320, SUMMER2320. You get 20% off. There's a little button on the top of the website that says shop. You just hit shop. It's the easiest way to do it. And then, as always, please listen to and support my band, Rec, R-E-C, at recarea.bandcamp.com. Uh, there are clearly some elephants in the room here. For those of you who are watching, you may not have heard, but I am not alone. And the reason is this is a very special episode. Uh, I am celebrating, not only is it the at the end of the season, the end of season five, which was a pretty monumental season considering how things have gone from the beginning, this is also celebrating, and I put it that way specifically, the 200th episode of Music is Not a Genre. Uh, now, now, why do I say uh, celebrating the 200th? I'm not sure which episode the 200th is. It could be this one. It could be the one before it. It could be one, six or 11 episodes from now. I'm not sure because I don't know. I'm very particular about how I count everything. Everything's damn organized and in series and sub-series and all that stuff. And I just can't pinpoint it no matter how hard I try. I've done like 11 podcasts and I've done all these. And in the beginning, it was sort of murky, blah, blah, blah. But there are some streaming services, including YouTube and Apple and Spotify, that say 200 for, oh. for a recent episode. So I'm going to say that this is a celebration of whichever episode that is. And <laughs> the reason why I'm calling it a celebration uh, as well is because I have guests here and uh, that they are my uh, dad, Nikki DiMatteo, and right next to me, my wife, Catherine. Uh, why don't you guys I introduce yourselves? Tell, tell, sure. tell, us, uh, tell the audience a little bit about yourselves. Take it. You don't have that much time. <laughs> oh yeah and you may hear some laughing uh, off camera that is my mom julie she may be throwing some questions our way hopefully really hard ones yeah so have some awkward silences <laughs> well i am Catherine. i am yes said wife and elephant number one in the room i think is what i'm gonna <laughs> claim that one as uh i was on one of the very first podcasts you did i believe the very first one of the right? very first interview versions of this podcast yes <laughs> kind of kind of awesome yeah i've done like 30 some of those now so yeah. that was a pretty important beginning well, it's nice to yes nice to have you back 
microphone and not in the back room. That's right. Same yeah. Silence. We're not trying to fool people into thinking we're in different in locations. <laughs> Cheers. No. Thank you. We're drinking. And as you can see, this other guy here in the camera who's going to introduce himself also drinking because this is not just a podcast. It's a party. And I have to tell you, this is the least prepared I've ever been for any of my podcasts. And I'm very excited about that. Yeah. So so who is this guy with this uh, cognac or whatever it is there? Who are you? My name, my name is Nikki. He's Nick. I'm Nikki. That's the way things go. And, and I hesitate very much to to use the word elephant in describing myself. <laughs> but there's got to be a I'm better to metaphor. Be yeah, I'll just I'll just say a pink panther. But anyway, I'm drinking nice. what I've dubbed a, a Nikki. Uh, now, of course, Catherine, being a, a mixologist, would I just it's just vodka with some blackberry brandy. And mm-hmm. and I put it in the freezer, let it cool off, mm-hmm. and there you have it. Wow! And, uh, this lady sitting next to me is is drinking a Manhattan. Oh, Excellent. on the rocks! Yeah. And I made it. Yeah. Nice. I, 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 that is pretty nice. Yeah. Yeah, I've become quite adept at making Manhattans and. And a few drinks here and there. <laughs> and I have a, well, it's a soul. It's, uh, oh, sure. Mexican. I often drink, when I, when I drink beer, I often drink Mexican beers because they're light and refreshing. And this one really is like sunshine in a bottle. Oh, that's so, great. So, pro- product endorsement money, please. Hey, and, hey, what, and what is Pooch. that? The kombucha. Gin, ginger oh, right. aid. Yeah. Oh, I got Okay. Excellent. That stuff is so good. We had some last night, too. So here we are at the end of season five, uh, and I have to say that so far it's been my favorite because I've spent the last the first three seasons shaping what this is, and the fourth season really, to my mind, kind of bringing it up to snuff and and fleshing out the general structure of each episode. But the fifth season is where all that to me kind of took hold, and I could just. Uh, stay within my routine and do the research I do and have and 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 have kind of um, a reassurance that the you know machine such as it is 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 running well enough that I don't have to think as much about that part of it and I can just enjoy the subjects and the people and all of that oh, that's great that's and, yeah and and I mean I, I and I have to say that you guys have been a big part of it because you know not only have you both been guests, uh, Catherine was an interviewee and an interviewer, <laughs> and then you've been on, I think, three times before. I believe that was the case because we did we did a two part interview, two part interview, right? Question thing, right? Uh, and and just the you know, I don't know if I ever told anybody this story before, and I've talked about where this podcast has come from and how it started as a blog in 2016 and how. Music is not a genre was actually the name of a recording project I was doing in 2017 and how the two of them eventually, in, you know, I started it as a video thing in the to end of 2019 and it didn't transition into audio until 2021, really. But the name I took on in the middle of 2020 because the two ideas just seemed to merge and wow. the recording I was working on, Music is not a genre, was not the right title for that recording. It ended up being the weird objective. Uh, and it and uh, it just made sense to make the name of the podcast that. But what I haven't said is 
uh, well, if I go back far enough, I've certainly talked about you, Dad, in many of the episodes when it comes to things like uh, where I learned something or where I first, you know, was introduced to something or how what my, you know, my childhood growing up in music was like and your performance and your recordings and your writing and all of that stuff and and that inspiration. Uh, but but also with Catherine, uh, it was her kind of push to say you should do more video. Oh, that that's that got me started down this road because I had done three and a half years or more of these blogs. And, you know, not to take anybody away from anything, you start something during the pandemic, it, it, it may have flourished <laughs> something amazing. This started several months before the pandemic, mm-hmm. because I knew even before then that I needed to I needed to have some kind of a regular outlet for this, you know, because when you when you when your drinking buddies move away or go their separate ways, you don't get to go to a bar and just talk, you know, hash out what's going on in, in, in your mind as far as music goes. So now I've subjected the entire world to that. And, uh, <laughs> yes. Yeah, that's the power I wield. Well, and during um, how many live performances did you do? Oh, yeah, I did um, over 80 uh, live performances online. Wow. Next, uh, next up. Yeah. So and that was it. So that was an interesting year. Obviously, there wasn't much. I we we didn't we weren't able to have uh, day jobs or any jobs. Performance jobs were gone that year. But to do, you know, an average of three shows a week and a podcast a week, just figuring out what the hell this podcast was. And at that time, this is I'm going to be doing a lot of behind the scenes stuff here because this kind of we're kind of just talking. Great. Yeah. The, The way I produced it was ridiculous. I would write and set up and record and edit such as it is, just put it together and do the graphics and release it with usually within a day or two. Uh, And I did that for, Oh man, like three seasons. It was kind of dumb. And then I realized the fourth season, you know, I could do this a week in advance. And not drive myself crazy. <laughs> These things are often recorded weeks and months in advance in, yeah, right. in, in a lot of people's worlds. And then this season, I've done a week in advance, two weeks in advance, sometimes even more to give me a little breathing room. But that was, yeah, that was a crazy year, you know, doing all that online recording. And again, it was Catherine's idea. Say, you need to make this an audio podcast. Uh, and for, for those of you who are listening, I had no intention of doing anything with this other than putting this up on YouTube, you know, following in the footsteps of all these other people up on there. And so Catherine and I often have discussions about what we're doing with our talents. And she always has good ideas. And sometimes, you know, I I think that I take her ideas on more quickly than other people's. But (laughs) even, even with those... There's always this lag of yeah yeah okay okay I'm I'm just too I'm too stressed and too busy I'm I'm already doing too much I can't even think about that and then it sinks in and I'm like oh my god that's the that's the way to go you know that's the right thing to do and now 200 cheers to that yeah drink to that. <laughs> I drink to everything but I'll drink to that especially excellent <laughs> hello Pantheon podcast listeners Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, 
Even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once. New quick charge function, three customizable sound styles plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right. You'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. There's a guy that uh, I only listen to a few podcasts and some are recorded and released weekly and some are more like monthly or three every three weeks. There's a guy who I had on, uh, Kevin Stroud, who does the History of English podcast, and he's been at it for over a decade mm. because his research is so extensive. He's he's done, uh, I think, 180 some episodes or 190. Well, some episodes. So he's, you know releasing at a slower clip and then there's another guy i listen to that does uh the fall of civilizations where his episodes are like three hours or oh more sometimes gosh. and he'll put one out maybe three times a year you know something like that so the pacing is kind of what you want to make it but i've 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 come to believe in the last few years whether it has to do with music or podcasting or anything really that it's very difficult to stay in the minds of anybody in this world who, who isn't actively seeking you out. Even, even friends and family, everybody's got their own lives, you know? Yes. So in order to stay up, up front in any significant way, you have to keep active, you know, in one way or another. Well, you sure are. And mm-hmm. yeah. And so that's just, that's, that's sort of the thing. And it's exhausting and it is, it, there are aspects of it that are super rewarding just being able to talk about stuff like this or talk to people or, you know, some of the feedback I get from people on YouTube or the every now and then on from Patreon or somebody like that. Uh, and all that's rewarding and learning things I had ever knew really rewarding. I did a guest spot on another podcast where I was the expert on David Bowie's Berlin years. I, I, I became a quote unquote expert about three weeks before when I did the episode <laughs> on David Bowie <laughs> and I've not forgotten most of it, but uh, you know, it's just it's like having a test, but so that's fun. 
but the whole process is honestly very exhausting. And, and I have some is. plans for season six that are going to help kind of stem the tide a little bit. So what's your favorite well, thing been about it then? Is that your favorite? Like what's your, what's been the highlight? The highlight, I, I would say the, the highlight is what I find interesting about so many damn things, whether it's language or music or people in general or the human race or architecture, which is evolution. Yeah, I, I just released and I talked about it recently, uh, old uh, Ape Cafe albums, which is a band I was in in the 90s. And to hear my vocal evolution and the songwriting evolution of Pete from, from the first album to the final album was something I had forgotten. It was fascinating to me. When I listened to uh, U2's first album and then their fourth and then their eighth and then their twelfth, absolutely Jeez. fascinating. And so to go back and kind of listen to or look at old episodes of this podcast and see where it started and where it's come to, I, I think the thing that I, I feel best about is that I have given it the space and myself the space to, 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 to bring it to where I've always wanted it to be. And it is quite different from where it started. Episodes are longer. They're a little more in depth, et cetera. They're less tied to the writing part of it and all of that. But just like with all this other evolution stuff, you can find the origins of everything that I'm doing now in the very first episode, you know, just the same way. Very first album of an artist. You, you, you hear those origins Wonderful. like, you know, like the Beatles. Yeah. Can I interject something? here? Oh, can you hear her? Oh. So the manager of uh, Nikki is, is his wife, Julie, my mother. And it's good to have that prompting, you know. But I know you wanted to say, it looks like you wanted to say something. Yeah, you were talking about the influence that dad had on you because of his amazing career. But um, starting at age seven, but you actually started writing, um, thinking about like... Uh, uh, Paul McCartney, who wrote when I was 64, when he was like 15 years old. Something like that. And when was your first recording in a studio? Well, you, you were talking to uh, Jesse oh. Jackson Jesse Jackson about that. Okay. Right, right. And, uh, when you were about 15 and you read John Hersey's right. Hiroshima. And, uh, yeah, I mean, that has to qualify as my first yeah, absolutely. recording, right? And it was... It it's I once I still have it I on regular you know loose leaf paper list of my first hundred some songs or whatever <laughs> and written out this was before we had a personal computer or any of that stuff I didn't want to use a word processor that you know typewriter <laughs> or whatever and I would write out the names and certain other aspects of each song and keep it as a record and I chose Radiation Blues as the first one even though there were probably a good ten or 20 other songs I had written before from 19, like from the time I was six years old yeah. on, but that was the one where I first thought, Oh, this is, this is, this is me choosing to be a songwriter, you know, and choosing Absolutely. to record it and choosing to ask you to, uh, and it wouldn't be the first time or the last time to give up a lot of your money to pay for my recording. Yeah. <laughs> it's well spent. First one in the studio. Yeah, yeah, in Philadelphia with uh, on Chestnut Street with Joe. But I also say that my first real time in the studio was with you when you were recording your uh, solo album. 
in the but you mentioned yeah you mentioned that to uh, to Jesse mm-hmm. Jackson too yeah and that kind of yeah. I think I got the bug from there you know be like I love Good. it here I want to be here you know well that's you are where you want to be and now I get to do all the recording right where I'm sitting oh, which is very exciting for creativity and not sure. so exciting for every other aspect of it but that's you know that's the world we live in and the finances we have so you know well, conception to completion what on average what do you think how long does it take conception to completion for a song yeah just on on average no your your podcast oh all right well so i have a list which um if i had decided i you know i'll in fact here's what i'm gonna do because this is so informal and i in i insist on keeping it that way i am going to share my screen with everybody what do you mean it will actually work. Uh, where is it? It's this one. All right. So can you see that? Oh, for crying out loud. So this is a list. The green means I've done it already. So options just means here are options for future podcasts. And I started this last season or the season before. And so these are all the ones I've done. Wow. This was I do my catch up episodes, you know, name checking people who have commented and stuff like that's that. A lot of work. This is the one I'm working on now. That's why it's in Yeller. Uh-huh. Uh, this is the one I kind of started. I decided to push to next season. And then all the rest of these are ones I haven't gotten to yet that I plan to that I plan to get to. Wow. Uh, and then these are my notes, in case you can't see mm-hmm. them. Yeah. Oh, and I've just made everything disappear. Uh, um now and you can see, so here, here's some like, yeah, here we go. I'm kicking off season six with another freewheeling catch-up machine, which is basically me, you know, like I said, fan comments and things that I missed or mistakes I made or things I wanted to add. I'm wrapping up the Beatles uh, series uh, in the beginning of the season. I'll probably do more at some point in the future. I'm doing a history of albums deco- decade by decade. I'm doing a techno uh, episode with Depeche Mode and New Order. I'm spotlighting Beck, the artist, because so many people say a lot of what I do with Wreck sounds like Beck, and the uh, uh, rhyming is just a coincidence. It rhymes too, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, I'm going to try to interview Robert Schneider from Apples and Stereo. I might have Pete on finally as an interview guest. Uh, I'm going to continue my Back Talk series. Mm-hmm. I have a guest mm-hmm. talking about a subject. Maybe one of you will do that, and then a bunch of other things you know so despite the work or any hardship doesn't sound like you have any plans on stopping anytime soon is this uh just what it is for the foreseeable future yeah well yeah six looks pretty tight yeah i mean it's nice that i had this overrun where there were some weeks and seasons where i had no idea what i was gonna and there are often weeks like that still where i'm like okay it's monday i'm not sure which topic i'm doing and then i'll look at the list and i'll take a note or two on one topic and then another and the one where i start to dig in and do research i'm like that's the one that's moving Mm -hmm. me the most but i i think because i'm feeling so good about it and the way it's working and i actually have more viewers and more people subscribing and more listeners and now that i'm part of the pantheon network i've got a lot more people listening and hello out there to, to uh, Christian and Peter and all the great people at Pantheon and all the listeners. And I, you know, have a very, very small, but uh, loyal Patreon uh, crew that, and because let's face it, the jobs I do allow me the time to do this. 
then unless something comes along where I'm a, you know, freaking regular on a TV show or I'm doing a tour, you know, a band tour in one way or another, I'm just going to keep doing this. You know, why not? You love, you love it. You, yeah. you got to get across the message that you want to tell people, you know, about yeah, well, you, yeah. about your music. Yeah. Well, it's, yeah. I mean, I always try to tie my music in one way or another or uh, whoever I'm interviewing their music or what they do, or I've, I've, I've highlighted your music here and there yeah. and things like that. But I, and, uh, and now I forget what I was going to say. So it's your turn. <laughs> <laughs> so when you forget, you take a drink. Mm-hmm. Eggie's shaking. So I should always have a drink on. <laughs> <laughs> I I try Come to. On. You're too young. I try today. to drink very vocal, like very very audibly, and I anything I do, I do audibly because I you know I really can't stand the micro editing when it comes to my own podcast. I the one of the reasons why I don't like a lot of dead air or having not thought through things or leaving in little mistakes because they can be fun and informal is because I just don't want to have to freaking edit, you know, (laughs) but, but it, you know, but I think the other thing is I've tried to create a a little bit of a different atmosphere with this podcast than you might find from some other music podcasts, which is I want to bring a level of information and research and then a level of insight and from the, you know, being a music insider and all that stuff, but also a real level of kind of off the cuff informality, you know, casual talk that sounds like a very excited and enthusiastic conversation that you might have with somebody. So how do you feel about music is not a genre now after your 200th episode, as opposed to when you wow. first started? Did you Are you doubling down on this idea? Has it evolved? Has it morphed? What do you think about? Music is not a genre as an idea now. I think that I, I am, I, I think I don't necessarily need to double down because, well, I think I have doubled down because there have been episodes where I've said, well, this is why I believe music is not a genre. And, and the reason that keeps popping up is because every time I encounter a critic or a person I know, you know, uh, you know, personally or personally, I know personally, uh, who has an opinion about music that is based on bias due to their perception of a genre or their perception of what a genre should be or their perception of what a band they like should be because they started in a certain genre. It makes me want to double and triple down Mm -hmm. this because my philosophy, even before I knew this MXG was a thing is, (laughs) is that, the only thing that matters is whether is a whether or not you feel the music is good and 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 b are you connected to it do you like it you know it and all and i say you feel the music is good because there are songs that i know that people absolutely love that i mean i can understand that objectively they're good but subjectively i really cannot stand you know but i have to have that ability to inject my opinion in things and say well i like this i don't like this but at the same time not be one of those critics who believes wholeheartedly that because they don't like something that it's not good like that drives me crazy just because you don't like something doesn't mean it's not good and that and that to me plugs right into the whole idea of well if music isn't a genre the way the way you shouldn't pigeonhole people or any other ideas in the world i think ideology can be very confining 
It has to do with prejudice and bias and all that. You mentioned something earlier about insight. Now, what if, if to give your listeners and viewers some concept of the insight and the information that you'd like them to have about the business, about you, about life in general, that might be very helpful to the to the viewers in their lives. I'm just well. That's nice. I mean, I think that. I, I did do an episode about um, what things to watch out for when you're looking for information about music and the music business and how there are things that might be worth paying for and that there are a lot of things that you shouldn't have to pay for and that you want to make sure when you sign up for something that it's with someone who's who's doing it for the right reasons because often people will, you know, have courses out there, things that they ask you to pay for that you could get this information yourself. Uh, there's a lot. And, 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 and I even, I had a guy on name nomad. That's his stage name. And he does a course. And one of the things he prides himself on is I am a working musician. I am in the studio. I am writing. I am working for other musicians. They hire me to do session work. I'm not just making all of my money on getting starving artists to pay for me to tell them what to do. I'm living. I remember that. No matter. Right. right. And I think that matters to me. You know, like when I ask people to join Patreon, I want to make sure I'm giving them a value, whether it's the music or the podcast or anything else. And there's even more to come when that really starts to take off. And as opposed to, I could easily just sit back and tell people what I think and feel or, some other thing and have them, you know, pay money to hear it or see it. And I find that to be, it's understandable from the point of wanting to make a living on a certain level, but it feels like a ripoff to me. So I, I, I think that's one of the, like that, that's a personal experience from having been a musician working towards trying to find his niche in the, in the, in the music industry and having been on so many different sides of it and so many levels saying to people you know even when you're desperate it doesn't mean that you should like there was one guy who was like my course is five thousand dollars that's all and <laughs> that's i was like all. that's all that's all that's that's all some musicians make in six months <laughs> you know like like that's this that's please stop it you oh, know gracious. if you have that much money to spend on just some random course then you're not hurting that much yeah. or you're doing something else that it's entirely aside from your music career. You know, well, hopefully that kind of personal integrity will not go unrewarded. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Right. Launching your <laughs> online course. My, my course. Yeah, <laughs> yes. exactly. This is all leading to four thousand four hundred and ninety-five dollars. <laughs> Thank you. Thank Market. you. That's Come right. On. That's right. Come with me and I will teach you the way. <laughs> I should have said that in a deeper voice. But yeah, yeah, that's, yeah little, that, or not. Or saying it in a, a falsetto so, voice. <laughs> <laughs> All right. She's the Hungarian is speaking. I George. need to hear it. Um, you said that dad influenced you from his music. And I'm trying to remember when you first realized that. I remember we had black and white solid videos of you dancing around the dining room table some christmas song 
Yes. And God rest you, Mary Gentleman. That's right. I've got videos when, of those as well. When did he, when, <laughs> do you remember when he first True. had an influence on you in music? Probably it was just something that he grew up with, you know, like yeah. you say, hearing. I mean, I think it I think it was a few things we mentioned, like the studio time. It was the going to the, the clubs at, at, right. at the even an age before I remember going and going <laughs> in that atmosphere, uh seeing you do uh, all kinds of music, you know, and, and, and not limiting yourself to just one, again, one genre. I really think a lot of the way I feel about music comes from that. It comes from what we listened to at home. There was always a real mix between the two of you of the things you liked. Uh, it comes from growing up in the seventies and eighties with radio stations that weren't afraid to play mixes like that before yeah. like, your channel and things kind of took over and made it like program programmatic. So like all of that kind of, I'm reading a book now on the nineties and it talks a lot about generation X and how we're kind of an anomaly in that we're very different from the generation that came before and the, gener and the generations that came before and after in so many ways, partly because of the timing of things that you, you almost, it's, it's like the flow of evolution and time had this weird spike during the period of our heyday and we often go back to the idea of well the you know radio used to be like this or this is how you used to contact somebody etc or <laughs> you know and the generations that came before us other than the boomers are part of that i think don't have that much interest in how the things have changed most of them or they don't care as much and the generations that came after didn't experience the changes that we experienced. So they don't really have a flavor of what it was like to live in an analog world before, before the digital world took over. And I think the same was true for music on a large scale, as far as diversity and et cetera, until the internet came along in the last 15 years or so and showed people the stuff that they were missing. So there was music that they wouldn't have heard on the radio or on their oh. programmatic things that they listen to that they're discovering now. And that's reflected in a lot of the ways music is being made again. And that's just really exciting to me. It's not the same as what we grew up with, but there are a lot of parallels. And you're doing enough live performance to, to capture the energy of an audience reacting to you, which you, you, you can't get in a studio. Right. Right. Okay, everybody. It doesn't sound like there was a break and I don't usually do this, but since this is sort of a behind the scenes episode, I'm going to tell you something right now, which is that we're recording this on Zoom. Moreover, it's the free version of Zoom. Yes, that's because almost everything I use, I either have owned forever or is free. And, oh. and, and that that can change with your help. This is the, just think of PBS or NPR. If you join patreon.com slash at music is not a genre, I could spend the few bucks a month on Zoom so we don't have to restart the link to restart the recording. You have to stop making it sound and look so good with the free shit. Okay. Like, uh, oh, yeah. Look a little more desperate. I mean, come on. What are you doing here? You're looking way too good. You're making things seamless. You're barely edited. Exactly. There you go. Come on. Yeah, you need to yeah, drink man. it up a little bit more. You're making this shit too smooth. You know, well, 
That's very nice. That's very nice. But, yeah, no, I'm not fine. I'm not well, fine. you've taken you've taken her advice. See t-shirt, man. the hole in my T-shirt. I I sell 28 T-shirts and six mugs, and I and I own two of them because I don't want to spend the money to buy all the rest. I don't have it. So the only way for me to model with my lovely body the T-shirts or the mugs. Is is for y'all to buy them, and so that I can buy them, so that I can show more people about them. There's one. There's an old yeah. one from Feek. Represent. Represent. And and because I want to do, <laughs> I'm going to tell you another behind the scenes. Every podcast, I like to do some physical comedy. It's it's something I enjoy. It's fun. It's something a little different. Thank you. And for some what, reason, what do you have in right mind for now? The episode. <laughs> What's that? What do you have in mind for this podcast? <laughs> well, so for the next podcast, I keep pushing it off because what I want to do is to model a bunch of my t-shirts is to be able to say, oh. here's, here's Bill Neiman. Here's MXG. Here's a rec Great. logo. Here's I need, I need coffee or whatever it is. And I want to be <laughs> able to take one off, put one on, take one off, put one on, on camera, but to have my friend, the podcast text, that keeps hitting me in the face. Every time I take my shirt off, it would block the the view of me taking the shirt off to you know spare people like the blur. agony. Yeah, <laughs> right. And, and maybe you shouldn't have a blur because maybe that would get I a couple dollars. Well, in there. Yeah, mean, right. You know, Julie's not, not the only manager here. I'm not Echo. below. I'm not below that. Yeah. Both side of dollars coming you in. Want you want a little know? beefcake? Yeah. You do a Whoa. lot of workouts. I see you back there. I mean, I'm willing to. Uh, we got to do to put bread on the table, my love. All right, All right. <laughs> you heard it here first. Aren't you proud of the person your son has decided Absolutely. to spend your life? <laughs> That's, That's right. You're welcome. Salute. That's right. Okay. <laughs> pride, pride yes. goes before the fall. So you know. <laughs> yeah. What for? Yeah. What oh, you should talk about his karate career. Well, well. So before we get to that, I want to answer that question, which is about live and recording. And I here's here are the few things I find them to be very, uh, you know, cross informative. That you can learn a lot about how to record something by performing it live. You can learn a lot about how to make a song sound dynamic in the studio by having performed it live. Is the structure right? Do you find when you're when, uh, when I'm performing a song, especially early on, I'd be like, oh, the this instrumental section's too long or, you know, the, the, I need to do the chorus twice here because you feel the audience saying that to you, you know, and that informs how you write and eventually you absorb it and you don't really need it that much anymore. But that recording can also inform how you do live because you're listening to your own voice and what you're playing and you're and you're really honing in on the details of all of that. and the impression you want to make on a, a listener based on how the, how the song is created, you know? And at the same time, I'm, I feel the, about live, live music and recorded music, the way I feel about musical theater, which is those elements are at their best when they're separate. They're not, they're not awful when they're together. They can often be great when they're together. There are a lot of live albums that are amazing. I'm not a fan of live albums in general because my thought is when you record something, you want that recording to, to be as, as 
as close to the vision and in what you're hearing in your head as possible and as easy for other people to pick up on as possible. So you can't capture a live experience in any better way than being there live. That experience exists on its own. It's a beautiful thing. It needs to continue. The more we do it, the more we're on either side of it, the better. And, and to me, you can't make, you know, oddly, rarely, if ever, a great live recording. That recording should be done in an atmosphere where you're getting the best sound that you can get. Well, that's you know. dependent on what kind you right. do, too. You know what I mean? There's some really wonderful jazz albums out there that are done live where that's you true. feel like you're in the room with the piano and that's it's true. just very minimal. You know what I mean? So you do and very, improv. very yeah. correct. Of course, you do very structured, layered, you know, um, intricate recordings when you put your stuff mm. down that are that, yeah, you know, without you being in a live room would sound completely different. So I can understand why you wouldn't want to record that. But I have yeah. a question for you. I mean. Well, jazz, right, jazz and classical, I think, are exceptions. There's, right. you, you know, or, yep. or like getting up, capturing an orchestra, or capturing improvisation, you know. But I guess I'm more like, oh, a, you know, or like as much as I'm not a fan of Fish or the Grateful Dead, they improv so much that they're almost like jazz bands. And I understand that. But if you're, you know, I'd rather listen to a Metallica recording than a, the, that they did in the studio than a live recording of them in a concert because well, sure. the, the sound is crap and you're not really getting the energy that you would get if you were there. You can't hear the pyro. And yeah, you can't hear the, <laughs> you can't hear the pyrotechnics. <laughs> and you would know that because you just went to the Metallica just, yeah, concert. That's right. Well, what were you going to say? Well, I was going to say, okay, so I can see how that would all be true of what you just said as far as live recordings versus, um, you know, in-person in performances for music. But do you think the same is true for um, live recordings of podcasts. Uh, I know that you really, really, really love the connection and you like conversation and it's one of your points of doing this. So do you ever think of you doing your podcast in a live setting and recording that? Yeah, you know, as a matter of fact, if had I thought of this sooner, I was going to, I even did, I invited my Patreon people to join, but it was kind of too late for anybody to mm -hmm. think, but it might to kind of have that back end of like, well, if you're a part of Patreon and you want to be in some way a part of a podcast episode, you can be here asking questions and, and giving answers and, and like insight and stuff like that. Uh, even if it's just in the chat, I'll call you out by name or the whole thing. And then of course, having guests and all of that, I plan to do more of that next season. And there'll be a, lot, a few other changes next season, which I'm really excited about too. But I think that the, the, the reason to me that I'll say this, I have edited other people's podcasts where they were done in a live setting, not in, not live as is like you're hearing it as it's released. That's different. They were recorded in a live setting and the sound is terrible. But if you are podcasting live, from a studio. That's great. Yeah, that's much different. That's than, much you different. Know, absolutely. And it's different to me that even when you record, like, for example, the, you know, early Beatles albums or, or the first one, at least they, they first couple, they recorded as a band. They weren't overdubbing hardly at all. Every here, a little bit here and there, but they recorded it as a four piece. They were playing as if they were live, but they were, they were being captured in a, in a, in a pristine studio setting. Right. So that's different to me that you're getting that live spirit 
but you're doing in a place where you're doing the sound justice. Absolutely. Yeah. So you know I found myself uh, over overperforming from live to recording. Uh, live, I was I would just give it all, and recording, I shouldn't have given yeah. it all. Yeah. I should have brought it back some, but still tried to maintain the uh, excitement. That's a difficult thing to do. Excitement of a live performance, but yes. you can hold back on the voice. I mean, it, it, it's it's like I was working Wildwood in 1977, and I started singing a song called Lucille. Uh, Kenny Rod was that? Well, was it Kenny Rogers? I think it yeah. was Kenny Rogers. Yeah, it was. And my problem was I started singing it and not acting it. Mm. You know, uh, you know, yeah. you, you can't. And a bartender kind of clued me in on that. And this was 1977. Show the difference. You know what? Yeah. Picked a fine time to leave me, Lucille. Four hungry kids and a crop in the field or something like But yeah. I was trying to sing it. You, it, it, it lost something there. It's a country song. I don't I don't know if people really understand, especially nowadays, how polished, you know, recording artists. um, uh, People are very critical of recording artists. I know these days, but to really be able to capture the spirit of a song on a recording um, is really not easy at all. And I know a lot of people having been a photographer and photographed a lot of musicians in studio and live where there are some very, very, very brilliant, brilliant musicians out there, but it's exceptionally hard to get them to record an album because they go off the cuff and they can't do the same thing twice because they're so inspired by that moment because their ears hear so much at one time. You know what I mean? (laughs) So um, there's definitely an art in front of people or in the booth. You know what I mean? You're absolutely right. You both and you can really be there for both. It's uh, it, it's quite a feat. I'm sure um, I've listened to your recordings, Nikki. They're fantastic. Well, thank you for that. No, when I was in New York at Bell Sound Studios in uh, 1958, nine, and I'm singing, and in the studio was the entire backup group band. Uh, the, the, the Ray Charles singers were not the black Ray Charles. The white Ray Charles singers who used to sing with Perry Como on his television show. Hmm. They were in the studio and I'm in a booth by myself with earphones. And suddenly the A&R man the, in the, in the booth stops, the stops the recording. He says to me only, Nick, I, I, I don't know how to tell you this, but you're singing too good. Mm-hmm. So, uh, clip your words. Don't use, don't hold the notes. Don't use too much vibrato. I, he said, in other words, try to sound a little more like Frankie Avalon. Nah. Who, who Frank, who two years earlier had asked me who my voice teacher was. Um, I, you know, it was, it was very good for him that he did not go to her. Oh yeah. Yeah. Because it's to me, rock and roll is like folk music. You had the, you had the classical. Voice I had the, the, that kind of classical training. So, I, I, that was the only record I ever made that hit the top hundred in the country. Didn't go very high, but it was suddenly, there. yeah, suddenly, yeah, suddenly, exactly. Which you you did a a, a great remake of it, a cover oh, version. Yeah, that yeah. Was fun. yeah, you're on that remake. Yeah, 
Yeah, see, and the, you also did a cover version of uh, I Want to Be Lonely, which mm -hmm. was produced by Jerry Ross, who uh, Spanky and our gang, he produced, and also Bobby Hebb, Sonny. Anyway. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah. that's funny because I interviewed that guy, Scott Shea, who did the Mamas and Papas book, and Spanky is in that book because they were associated with Mamas and Papas. They were. So you're, yeah. Like uh, that, in fact, not know. in fact, when when uh, what's his name? John Phillips tried to reform the Mamas and Papas in the oh. 80s. He had Spanky sit in for Cass Elliott. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You told me they, that. That's, that's a fascinating. Other. That is a fascinating. That's really fascinating. Yeah. I have to get you that book. How things are all connected. Book book. Yeah. yeah. It, it's amazing. Yeah, I mean, I remember you telling me that about like, you know, it to me, it's the difference between in many ways between uh, stage acting, uh, you know, television and acting and film acting. Exactly. You know? They're each like I find TV to be sort of in the middle. You can get away with some stage stuff. So on TV, right. But if you try to do that in a film, you're going to look ridiculous. You're going to be overdoing it, essentially. And over. Yeah, exactly. yeah, I think for studio, it's the same thing, you know, but knowing when to turn on the juice. And knowing when to come in and do this, you know, and, and, and that's different from, I can't tell you, I, there are very few live performances of myself and, and my, whether it's my music or the Beatles stuff or the 80s stuff that I am ever really satisfied with every now <laughs> and then I'll go through a patch of, it's like what a some famous actor said about, like, he, fe he felt like he might've had one true moment on camera oh, like he great. just is so like his standards were so much like i want to always be there in the moment and i just feel like i'm just missing the mark all the time and i think one of the reasons why i enjoy the studio so much is because it's this controlled environment where i can do six takes of a, of a lead vocal and then pick line one from take one take two you know like like no, they call, really? they're called comping you know comping vocals or oh comping i comp my guitar solos all the time and the drums because I'm, I'm they're not my strongest instruments and there are times where i'll have a phrase of one uh i don't know like um uh hey it's okay to let go today and i like i like how i say hey it's okay to let go but when i hit today <laughs> i missed it so I take the today from one thing and oh. spade them so it sounds like it's the same exact take. That's astounding. Because I can get that close, which you want in a recording, because if people are listening to it over and over and over, you don't want it to be like, oh, he missed that note again, you know. Whoops. But live, I can't tell you how many times where I'm like, the monitor sucked, so I'm over singing. I lose my voice. I can't hear my own voice. I, you know, th there's so many other things where I'm like, there's just... I think it. you have to let it go and be like the point of the live recording is everybody being in the same, I mean, the live performance is everybody being in the same moment together and enjoying the music. And it's not about perfection. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. Because some of the best things that you have heard recently that you absolutely love, as far as I can tell, are old Ape Cafe recordings of you doing it live. And people who were there still want you all to get back together and do it again <laughs> because they loved the energy that you put out there. And don't you think that the reason that you like those live recordings, some of the ones uh, more than you've ever done, is because you guys did it all the time. So you get in that groove. By the third album. I mean? Yeah, for sure. Just, for sure. Just, just well, perform live Catherine. all the time, find their pocket and they go there. And so then 
all the other things. Of course, you know, bad sound is bad sound. That's hard to get around, but you find your your magic pocket in that live set. Because you've done it live so much. I agree. I agree. I mean, it's that, you know, you're on stage, you're making people feel things in those uh, chicken chicken heads and uh <laughs> what is the hat there what is, is the hat the hat is the mummer's hat exactly yeah it's fabulous but you got to wear the mummer's hat more I guess. yeah That's my whole point all there's, there's 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 the there's the the quote the takeaway you got to <laughs> wear the mummer's hat more live performance for myself right there are people who hate the studio because they're just so they feel so like claustrophobic and like they're like the spotlight on them. Mike is attacking me, Nick. That is the, the whole point. The mic is attacking me the, with my own voice. Okay. You know, yeah. Well, <laughs> I didn't want to say Just it, but yeah, it's true. Um that brings that kind of brings up something that I that I thought of when you were talking about you not you having to sing less well on on a recording. And that is it almost feels like the the each generation in this family has been slightly different musically. And even though we have generations, someone in each generation doing something musical, we have, you had kind of the, I think middle ground where you had full classical training and you have the chops for that, but you went in a pop and rock direction. And I have very minimal classical training and fully immersed in pop and rock and blues and, you know, and jazz and all like, like the popular media uh, for music. And then Colin, who does a little <laughs> bit of the pop stuff, but is fully sure. immersed in classical and opera. And Your lovely son. Thing. Yeah, for my those son. Who do not know. Yeah, who, who is now, he's, he's still in school, but he's doing like real performances. And, 19 years you know, old. Out in the world and stuff like that. Yeah. And, and. Each one asks for something different because there and there's a level of perfection you need from an operatic performance. Oh, but at the same time, if you get the right coach, which fortunately Colin has, they tell you that don't try to make your voice sound so perfect that you lose your own, the soul of your voice. And we've seen him go or heard him go from this very kind of slightly rigid delivery to just a fluid kind of beautiful beautiful thing and there are times where i feel like i get too fluid and i try to get so imperfect that (laughs) i'm like missing half the notes and some of it's on purpose but some of it is like all right i need to maybe just step this up a little bit more like i'm not you know i'm not like uh you know i'm not forgetting all the blues guys names who sing great but the whole point of that wasn't about being perfectly on pitch all the time it was allowing for quarter tones and half tones and elision and things oh, like man. that out out of nowhere and i like to try to find that middle ground of well i want everything to be on point pitch wise but i want to have that room to be able to slide things left and right and you're kind of in between me and colin yeah, where right. you're pretty much like you have to really work at being off key uh, yeah, right. Like you're on key, like almost naturally, you know. Well, right. Colin has perfect pitch. Right, true. Yeah, that too. So, yeah. That's you know, I don't know. You guys, okay, so we have the three, the three here. You, uh, Nikki and Nick and Colin. Nikki, what did your dad do? I actually don't know if you don't mind me asking. It wasn't anything what? to do musically, was it? No, well, he did play the what they call the concertina, the Italian oh, yeah. little accordion. He did. That's that's about all I ever heard him 
But like, where do you think the shots came from? Who started? Who did? How you voice lessons? Voice lessons, yeah, yeah, Dad, that, yeah. That's all. I, that's all I ever saw him do at a at a party or something. Pull out that concertina, put it on his knee, and he played da 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 I still remember that that melody. Wow. But how did you start voice lessons? How did I start voice lessons? Um, I was in the second grade, and 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 my sister Dolly and and Sarah came to take me out of school. Just and the, and the teacher let me go. She knew about my singing st- stuff. And uh, a guy had come to the door at the, and asked if there's anybody who in this. He was he was a, a salesman, is what he was. Mm-hmm. Door to door salesman, trying to sign up people to do a, to, to go to a, a music school. And my sisters brought me home, and and I, I did some a cappella singing. And he was. Then he said, "Yeah, he's fine. You know, take ten dollars, and you get." <laughs> yeah, my sister Dolly gave him the ten dollars so that I could start taking voice lessons wow. from Mrs. Marie Wartenby. Yeah, Marie Wartenby, who yeah, yeah, she was my first, my first uh, voice teacher, and mostly, yeah, mostly two things she concentrated on: diction and and uh, hearing. So mm. they have to understand what you're saying and projection. They have to hear it. So breathe and, and get the get the right notes and yes, of course that's that's the way it worked back then, Makes and sense. that's the way it was. And they they cautioned me, my singing teacher Mrs. Warby, my <laughs> manager at the time Tony Mambo, yeah. do not sing rock and roll, <laughs> hurt your voice. And it took me a, a few years to unlearn or not use what I learned. In order to yeah. be able to sing rock and roll credibly, mm-hmm. and and I I don't certainly remember that kind of development because that happened before I was old enough to really be aware of it. But I remember the effects of it, which was the you know the result, uh, which was you could pivot from doing you know an, a whole practically a whole scene from Fiddler on the Roof in character and have the pitch of a musical theater person to then doing some kind of a blues song or a rock and roll song and then pivot to a jazz thing. And, and that takes the, there's a discipline to unlearning as much as there is a discipline to learn, (laughs) like stretching where you come from, you know, no no question about that. Yeah. The flexibility, discipline to learning how to be flexible, you know, Uh, it was necessary in, my particular field, you know, singing in clubs to people with all kinds of uh, mm-hmm. various tastes and, and music. And, and that was necessary. And it, it took a while, but it came about. And, What's uh, your favorite style to sing? Well, I, 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 I guess I don't have one at favorite. Mm-hmm. I, you know, I'm not, I don't sing a lot of semi-classical anymore. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it that reminds me of a question that, I was working at Piano Bar in Philadelphia, uh, 5100 Club on and 51st and City Land Avenue. And a, a guy who was kind of drunk, he said, well, sing your favorite song. <laughs> I, I don't have one. What do you mean? You're, you're a singer. You should have a... I said, the very fact that I do this for a living and I know and love so many songs and genres, as you will, I said, mm-hmm. <laughs> am I going against that? 
I shouldn't no, say no, genre. Yeah, that, yeah, you know yeah, what I'm saying? Yeah. Types of songs. Yep. That, that, that precludes my having a one thing that is my favorite. You know, I will say a recording I made many years ago, probably around 60 or 61, uh, a songwriter named Joe Dieni went to Italy and had music made, the whole background music to this beautiful song called Pioggia d'Amore. I went into the studio and I did a version of that. I sent in the beautiful orchestra, chorus, the whole thing. And uh, today that reign of love, Pioggia d'Amore. Mm. And I still think that's one of my better on record performances. Wow. But when that's Julie cool. met me, she said, what kind of music you sang? I said, well, kind of all kinds of music. And she, uh, snob that she is and you know witty hungarian she said do you do any ozark mountain hillbilly songs ah. <laughs> you said no you son of a gun yeah. well anyway well done julie I, I, yeah i that don't spark uh, that connected us. and here we are <laughs> that's great see so yeah. i get i get the musical talent from you and i get that attitude from mom that witty stuff yeah right yeah because yeah. i'm always Hungarian. looking for all right so yeah sure you like you too but what about you know the wombats <laughs> have you heard of them you know <laughs> oh was it yeah. julie that you asked him that question how long ago when you guys met 64 summer 64 yeah so i'm sorry writing, writing for me and music for him how about that yeah, sixty four. Huh? I'm sorry, it didn't work out, guys. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. We're still working on it. Yes, yeah, <laughs> yeah. Takes it takes a while. You'll get it. Yeah, you'll figure yeah, it out. Keep drinking. Yeah. It'll work. Yeah. <laughs> We're gonna give it another fifty six years. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, we'll take. Yeah. We'll all take that. Yeah, we feel like we've run out of drinks, which is not good because we haven't well, run out of time. We're not done here bit. yet. You did it you right. You guys are doing it well. Yeah. Yeah. She still has here. some uh, Manhattan. If I, I say, right, if I, I said that once to her aunt in Sharpsville. Her aunt was present in the room and she said, What? You know what you just said? I said, What? She said, You said to your rear end. I said, What? <laughs> she told me how to pronounce it. Uh, but I still like pronouncing it. <laughs> oh, it's slightly different. Yeah. Slightly different, but uh, no. that's a mysterious witchy language, Hungarian. I'm uh, it's, 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 yeah, yeah, it's weird. Yeah, grandma used to call her the Hungarian. Oh my god! Yeah, right. Oh man! And my father called her the foreigner. <laughs> right, and, and, he, and he, he, he spoke with yeah. an Italian accent until the day he died. Yeah, came here in 1912. God, that's so great. <laughs> but anyway, speaking of drinks, yeah, I still have some. You, you oh, guys, that's good. You guys gulped it down. That was not, you know, what the it, heck? You know, we have a little time left here, everybody who's listening and watching. If you, if you don't, ha if you haven't been drinking this whole time, first of all, you you you're missing out on all the subtle fun. <laughs> there's time for you to go get a drink. Um, Absolutely. Pause this. Pause this. However, you're taking it in. Go get a drink. See, this would be the advantage of a live show. Yeah. As somebody who used to and does not anymore imbibe. There's nothing more fun than being able to give a live audience drinks. <laughs> I do it really well. Yeah. yeah right. Can ensure the people that you are serving with this podcast are going to be, you know, six sheets to the wind by the time you're done. That's a good conversation. That's right. Starter, right? That's right. Drinking is not a genre. So, well, most yeah. of my fans know that 
my drink when I was working was Remy, Remy Martin and uh, VSOP. And, of course. Uh, One of the best. After a couple of years, after a number of years, I had quite a lot of it saved at home. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know that. Yeah. And you, you just take it because you you're someone who didn't take breaks, you know, after a certain period of years, you just didn't yeah. take a break and <laughs> and you would keep getting drinks handed to you. And I never understood how you could drink all that and not have <laughs> a bathroom break. And, yeah. But it's partly because you would just bottle it up and take it home. I, yeah, I'd sip the Remy. Yeah. Right. H- had I been drinking beer? No, I would be taking bathroom breaks. But we had a, a case of it. At one point, I, one of my one of my fans, Pasquale Giacchetti, yeah. used to sing with me. He said, "Nikki, I hear you got a, a a lot of bottles of Remy." I said, "I do." He said, "Look, I'll buy them from you, and I'll put a sticker around the the neck of it, so like it was never." I ah. said, oh. "Yeah, he was going to sell it out of the back of a truck." Yeah, yeah. exactly. No. Oh, that's so funny. I, I mixed that one. I. I find I most of what I'm doing now is, you know, I'm going to get Rec back up on its feet soon. Uh, we got a new album coming out and the, and the, the, the me will become a we again and we'll figure out how to Amen. do the performances. But um, for now, most of what I'm doing is with the cover bands and, you know, and Beatles and eighties. And we'll do like anywhere from two to four sets, which is pretty average. And what I've found is the first set, can go well the energy's there but it's often kind of a warm-up set that that you sometimes between the first and second set i'll have a beer or drink right and my voice will be warmed up and then i'll be a little warmed up and the second set if if the monitor's right and things the conditions are right and i haven't been over singing that second set goes really well and the third set is looser wow the energy's really exciting and that usually is about what I, you know, what I like to do at any given, you know, gig. I might have a, you know, one drink in between sets and then a drink afterwards if I'm sticking around, you know, something like that. Unless I'm driving, you know, or if I'm driving home, I just drive home. But oh, that's wise. That's control. You know, but while you're planning your new recordings, and, and don't forget you and this very lovely lady sitting next to you. You guys make beautiful music together. We have a yes. I'm glad you mentioned that. Thank you. Let's put her in the spotlight because we have a song that we've been working on for a while that um, we're almost done recording mm. that, that I think is one of the best songs I've been a part of in my whole career. And it's, it's in large part because of how well we work together and Catherine's contributions and all of that. Absolutely. And the inspiration I, I got to kind of start the song from Catherine and her friend and the circumstances we were under at the time. And all that has come together to create a song that I think is going to do extremely well, or at least be extremely well liked. And that was and written, co-written by you and Catherine. Correct? Co-written mm-hmm. and will be co-sung, co-lead singer, you know, the Wonderful. whole thing. And uh, like I say, yeah, we're, you know, it's the it'll be the first so even though some songs may come out before that one's done it's the it'll be the first song that i have on record chronologically in terms of recording where i'm playing the drums <laughs> and that's not the best part of the recording i think the best part is the song itself and the way we sing it yeah it's exciting for me to think that this song i'm able to do it justice with the limited skill i have on that instrument and is still going to come across as a good song 
once we can get it get it all wrapped up. It's been a busy year. Let's just say that. Of course. Now you have to focus. Well, now that you know that I feel like the microphone is attacking me when I'm in the studio, you'll see how my <laughs> there's a little reluctance in me finishing that vocal yeah. back in January. I mean, that's you know, I'm gonna, I'm going to uh, have a microphone installed in front of your shirts without you knowing it, so that if you're ever rehearsing <laughs> or singing to yourself, I can capture it impromptu, and then you. Won't <laughs> I would like to hear the the recording of what that would be. Yeah, the microphone on my. You shirt. mean it right. sounds like this? So much profanity. <laughs> too. That's how. Then we can make that the, I mean, the remix version. Oh my. <laughs> yeah. we make that the 12 minute remix you know? oh, good. Yeah. the album yeah. cut yeah it's the album cut exactly yeah Word. no and it's yeah we did do a lot of performing together especially during the pandemic but even before we started before and we yeah. did a little bit after or whatever you would call after we did a little little bit in the tail of that uh i have a bit of a lull in my performing schedule in the fall a part of the fall anyway and I plan to book some local gigs. Oh, great. And I mean, predominantly, I'm just going to be pulling from my, like a combination of my own music and all the covers that I've been doing with the bands. And I think that'll be a good mix for any bar or whatever it is. Absolutely. But I, I have the potential for a guest singer to come in and do some sets too. Well, ain't that Pay that them true. well. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, and not in drinks. We'll negotiate. We'll negotiate. Yeah, yeah. It's negotiation time. <laughs> yeah. So, what would you the kind of sort of wrapping up, but not quite yet? Are there things in particular that uh, anybody can start? I love saying that because this is we hear that on uh, on and podcasts all the time. Whoever wants to, whoever wants to to take the the mic on this, that you have particularly enjoyed about music is not a genre. Well, I, I I enjoy the back and forth that you have with the, you know, with your guests. Okay, I enjoy the the, the history of what you're doing, what you do with various podcasts. The you know when you concentrate on a specific group like the Beatles, of course, I'm I became a total fan of the Beatles in 1964 after having seen Hard Day's Night. Mm. Uh, oh, let me interrupt you there real quick. Yeah, yeah, One yeah. of the jokes that our drummer likes to to give, you know, he introduces some songs and he's like, um, "This next song was the title track of the Beatles' first film, A Hard Day's Night." Can anybody tell me what that song is? <laughs> <laughs> and it actually stumps some people. There, because it's a trick oh, question. No. Yeah. Okay, well, yeah. <laughs> that's just anyway, go ahead. Go ahead. No, that's that's fine. That's that's good. that's the truth. In fact, I, the other day, I, I speaking of that uh, movie, I was uh, at night. I'm thinking about your mother, mm. and uh, words came to me: um, a love like ours will never die, as long as I have you near me. Mm. Uh, those words, and and then I kept going over the words, and finally the melody came to me. A love like ours will never die as long as I have you near me. I couldn't think of what that song was. It's about one thirty in the morning, and I'm thinking, I'll give Nick a call. I'll give Dave a call. They'll know. And, but I, I, you know, I, I held myself from doing that. And yeah. then it finally came to me. The next line: "Bright are the stars that shine 
So hard day's night, and I love her. Yeah. And then and I told you about that eventually. And you, of course, I you, get I get to sing that one when we do the, the that song you, on the yeah. show. So it's nice. I mean you nice. have you have a high voice like like McCartney, you know. Not quite, but close enough to make it work. Close, close enough, yeah, yeah, right. So what about Any, you? Oh, go ahead. Good. Anybody who can sing, I'm a, maybe I'm amazed. <laughs> uh yeah, that I don't do that one, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um I do like the same things. I like that you are constantly making connections with uh, past artists and new artists, and you're really good at tying all of that together. And then, of course, the influence on your own music. And I like that. I like that it's um, forced you to reach out to people and um, uh, create community where you didn't really think maybe there was, um, which I know is a hard thing to do, Mm -hmm. Uh, especially when it's so Mm -hmm. easy to kind of just be in our own little worlds and isolated, especially if you work from home. So I think that's a really good thing. But also that you are excellent at doing things regularly. You're a very consistent person and you keep doing them, keep doing them. But within that, um, I like that. uh, I think it's pushing you to go out of your own comfort zone and get into the places that you don't feel quite as comfortable in, um, Mm. like life performance. And I think that doing the podcast regularly helps you do that. You know what I mean? Thank you. Like yeah. you have an anchor, so then you're able to jump off from that point. And I think that's an exciting place to be. So you're not just doing the same thing, the same thing, the same thing. You're always pushing to see what that same thing is going to launch you into. Oh, that's well. And, like and that. that's there's the hope that one thing connects to another and then leads to something else. Big, um, uh, a web of MXG. The web. <laughs> the web. <laughs> the web. Is and there a way podcast with some sort of character that comes in and hits me right Spider-Man in the face? Yeah. yeah. Oh, I like that. Pins me against the wall. I haven't exactly. done that one yet. See, uh-huh. there you go, everybody. You just heard it here. So the thing is, love to hear you and Catherine doing some more wonderful harmonies and with your stuff, and your stuff, and whatever covers you you are comfortable with doing. I'll be putting. Yeah. Thank so, you. And the other. I told him if he makes our little cubby into a recording booth, like I've been wanting to okay, do it all. Yeah. Great. All right. And the other thing is on your podcast, are, are you technically able to receive questions from your viewers? Not the excellent question. So we're back, everybody. We had to break one more time. And this question that my dad asked is an excellent question. And we are going to wrap up soon, by the way, if you all have lives or some shit like that, I guess. Um, whatever. I mean, you you should be able to spend two hours with me. But uh, but the, that's a great question. And Plus my drink do, is finished. <laughs> yeah, exactly. We need more drinks. The, the, what are the kind of the technical you know limitations here? And I record every single uh, episode on my phone other than other than interviews, which I'm doing on the computer on Zoom. Uh, if I were to do a thing like you said we're, with questions, it would be a special episode where it's like, all right, on a, on a very special MXG, uh, okay. you get to call in and stuff like that. There are ways to do that where on Zoom where you can just do, let's say, audio instead of video. So it would be hopefully because it'd be crazy to do video where it's like 30 people. If I got that kind of a response. Right. But I would need because I know people who work in this in this industry. I know somebody who's sort of the person who fields calls for another podcast. And you that's what you need a person who does that. So I would need what's called a staff of more than myself. 
and uh, I could you, I could recruit Catherine to do it. But you know, but yeah, Pay if she's available. Yes, and I believe in paying my people well. That's right. <laughs> and that you know where that comes from right now? Patreon.com slash not a genre. Yeah, right. You can have a staff and more, you know, technical the great stuff here technically. It's either that or we're training Olga to do it. But I appreciate what you guys were saying. And Olga's our dog, by the way. And she oh, yeah. uh she would stare right at us. You know, we talk about awkward silence. Look, if we had Olga on the podcast in any way. We'd have millions. Okay. I'm just saying. Let's face she it. She's entertaining. As you know. <laughs> yeah. Dogs, children, and things not meant to be on video or what people like to watch. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I appreciate what you, you guys saying. <laughs> there you go. Yeah. Yeah. We're maybe all of us included. Uh, and, and so my last question before I wrap up is um, kind of what you were, you already answered that question, dad, which was what would you like to see? next or here next season on the podcast and also yeah okay uh is is it licensing that prevents you from actually playing some like for example let me just go uh, a favorite group one of our favorite groups the beatles is when you're doing a, a podcast on the beatles is it licensing that prevents you from actually playing something that you're talking about it's, it is it's partly licensing it would change the you know whatever income stream i have it would change that significantly what about if but, you use your own your own stuff well i do put my own stuff on every i mean every, i know that the end especially yeah you've done that but yeah. i mean during during the podcast if you're talking about your own music and a specific song and not that, not not sure uh, play the whole thing. Yeah. Oh, this see, this is another great question because there are times where I've seen other podcasts do this and I totally like that and that's fine. And what I find with them is that they have what what I euphemistically call production values. So you might think that this is, you know, an adequate way that I that I do this. And it is honestly the right now, the absolute most I can do weekly in order to keep this a regular thing to to add other levels of editing which would be cutaways with graphics with an additional song in there and then cutting back would take another couple of hours every single week wow and this again is not i'm not farming this out to somebody every single thing every single thing you see in here in every one of these podcasts i'm doing myself so for me to get to a point where I step it up to the level where I happen to mention uh, in passing or no, like when I do, let's say I did the Metallica episode and I was like, well, and, and I and I really like the song, uh, you know, Whiplash from such and such album, you know, uh, I think from Kill 'Em All. And then to be able to play like 10 seconds of that to, to like people who don't know it or people sure. who do know it and they enjoy it. You would think that's as ah, flying in on the technical side. I know how to do all that, but it takes so much more time and so much more work to add wow. those levels of things to every podcast that that's just not a place I can go at this point. I oh. hope to get there at some point, but it would take it would take me setting aside the amount of time that I can only do if I'm if I'm getting like a, you know, a much better Patreon response and and just much better streaming numbers and things like that. So. 
Yeah, yes, like I'm creating some... all of you. Yeah, yeah, like, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's good to put your audience yeah. on a, on on guard. Yeah, you know there you go. Right. But but to say that there are there are guys out there who are pretty well known for this on especially on YouTube and and uh, one, the one guy I work with at Pantheon said that he knows one of those guys and that he basically started from nowhere and it took him at least five years to get to any place where he had any kind of mm-hmm. a budget. Wow. And even though I've technically been doing this for almost four years. I didn't really start to market it until maybe two years ago, mm-hmm. three, two and a half. So who knows where that puts me in, in terms of the trajectory of all this. I, I don't, but I will say if that were the case, I would have somebody else here being like, okay, now I want you to uh, go through the episode I just did and mark every time I mention a song. Oh boy. And then find those songs, you know, and and then maybe I'll do the edit. I don't know, but it just think about the amount it takes. Like I'd have to, I'd have to watch every single one of my episodes back from beginning to end. And it's just, it's yeah, it's a lot of work. Well, suppose you did not play the actual record from the group, but you did it yourself. Would that be the same thing? No, no. The covers are under a different rule. And what's great is, especially live, um, that is something that Catherine even mentioned. Like. I had considered for this 200th episode to do some kind of a live performance or something like that, but it just, the time wasn't right. Couldn't get it together. But I did once do an episode where I performed, uh, it was a live recording of this podcast on YouTube, on Facebook, sorry. And I did um, a song of mine called You Make Me Wanna, paired with a Madonna song to show the similarities between the two and also to have just have some fun. And so there, there is room for me to be able to, uh, you know, have live performances of covers, some of these podcasts. Okay. At some point, whether they're covers or originals. All right. Again, well, if I can set aside the time to, to, you know, do it properly, which it does again, uh, that's going to take a lot more time, you know, if you had the keyboard right in front of you. Had keyboard or guitar, I would guitar. dedicate an entire episode maybe is what I want to do next season is to be like, I'm going to dedicate an entire episode to just covers of things that I have oh. covered in other episodes. And this is why I'm doing, you know, I've done these episodes because I like these songs, you know, like that kind of thing. And, and you to do show the covers. That, yeah. And then I would do the covers. And, and so I, you, you wouldn't know, have to pay a licensing easy. fee. Nah, no, you you wouldn't. You make different money when it's when it's a cover as opposed to original. But okay. but you if you use somebody else's recording, then that just changes everything. Ah, so right. If it's more than a few seconds of it or something like that, there's fair use because it has to do with um, your comment. You're a commentator, so that means that you're not playing it for radio play, quote unquote. If you're commenting oh, on it, then you can use more of the song. That's an interesting phrase. Yeah, but yeah, anyway, that's kind of getting into the to the weeds a little bit. But yeah, these are great. These are great ideas for like future stuff. And some of that I'm probably, you know, I'm I'm very resistant now, which means in six months I'm going to do it. You know, oh, you <laughs> it, it always <laughs> happens. And I have and I have exactly I have two things that I would like to see. You, all right. One of them is I want you to do an interview show where you and your interviewee are in the same room together. Yes, I would love that. Well, not me. <laughs> I live here. I want you to. No, I would love that. To have I prefer that. 
because I think that will can change a lot of things. Not that yeah. the ones over Zoom aren't great, but I think it it lends to a different dynamic. Yes. So um, and, I want to see that. Yes. And um, shit, I had a really good second idea, and just how quickly they come and how quickly they go. I'm just sitting uh, here holding on to it. This is why I take notes. Second. If I don't take notes, I completely forget without. Yeah. So I want to see. She's still thinking about it. Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to fill in some time here while you're thinking. So we okay. have. With my fabulous idea. Great. So I'm going to pretend. <laughs> speaking of speaking of live performance and speaking of songs, as you, as you all know, at the end of almost every episode, I feature one of my songs. Great. And I had uh, I had to figure out what to do here. And because this is sort of my party. Like, well, I can play whatever I want. But one of my rules is if I have featured a full song as fully recorded on in an episode, then I don't want to go back to it unless I have a good reason. Because I have hundreds some recordings of songs yes, out there. Oh, I don't boy. need to repeat songs. I'd rather yeah. continue to introduce people to other things that I've done. You can always go to the nickdomadio.com and hear everything else or stream it wherever. And so I thought, oh, I have the perfect song for this, but I guarantee you I've already used it. And it turns out I haven't used it yet. I might have oh. mentioned it, but I never used it as an ender for any of these episodes. And the reason it's a perfect song is because it's one of mom's favorites. And what it is. No, it's the other oh, no. one. That she has oh. two favorites. I've I've already used what it is. So that okay. one I think I have. Yeah. So but this one, for some reason, I've never featured at the end of an episode if it feels all right. Uh, oh, yeah, absolutely. And <laughs> she loves that one. So oh, because it, that could be a big hit. Oh, uh, you thank you. And and that was from uh, Rex's first album, Parts and Labor. Labor spelled in the British way because I like Brit music. L-A-B-O-U-R. L-A-B-O-U-R. That's right. Uh, yeah, it was on purpose. And this was one of the, you know, if you can call it that, better known songs from that album. Sort of one of the big, bigger singles. And is featured on Rec Collection, the best of Rec 2007 to 2020, wow. blah, blah, blah. I remember working out some of the melody for this in your house. Really? Uh, way, way back, a couple, three, four, four, four or five years before the album even came out. Wow. Where I realized that the chorus didn't have enough punch and I had to fix that. And I had my acoustic guitar and I was working on it in the piano room. Oh, my. And I, and that also the, the same year I bought that tripod that you use that you take to every photography session that you go. So it was a long time <laughs> ago. And, uh, and I realized once it came together, that this was a song that was gonna, you know, be one of the like really good ones, and we played live a lot at the time as a, as a full band, and it always went over really well. And it's a good audience participation. Absolutely, song. the recording features you on it. It features uh, that you you that. meaning my my dad. If those of you who can't see, and yeah. uh, features my daughter Katie on it, who was my um, well the only child who could talk at the time. So. Um, <laughs> You, you hear if you hear a little voice in there and it features a, a friend of mine, Liz, and a couple of other people. So it was, a, you know, I think Daniel. Was oh, that's on. great. Yeah. So uh, that's the song I'm featuring in the next okay. minute or two. Hey, 
Congratulations on 200 elbows. Hey, thank you. Yeah, amen. Yeah, I'm very excited. And I do. I think one of the things that's a hallmark of everything I do is I don't like stasis. I'm always looking for consistency is different from from stasis. I love consistency, but I also love change. That's why I love evolution, because evolution is consistent change. And for me, from one episode to the next, from one season to the next, I like to find something slightly different to punch up or to add to the mix. Some of those suggestions you've made and things like that are are great ideas and things I want to incorporate. I've had other guests on who've suggested things. A guy named Lon Dorsey suggested some stuff that I was also resistant to that I ended up incorporating, uh, some of some of which. So I, I plan to make some more changes like that in season six, but you're all going to have to wait because I'm taking the next couple of weeks off. Finally, uh-huh. so we can uh, go on vacation, a.k.a. take the ferry from Queens to Manhattan for cool there two you go. hours. Hell yeah, baby. Uh-huh. Yeah, that's our big vacation this year. Oh, yeah. Love a ferry ride, yeah. Thank you guys. Thank you guys for being here today. Though. That's our pleasure. Yeah. Always a pleasure. Thank you. Be yeah. with you too. This was yeah. really fun. Where, who was that? that hey, she's, uh, she's saying bye. Are you bye? How are you there? All right. Yeah. She's playing a song special bye, to you. Julie. Oh, yeah. She was out of the room, but the featured song I'm doing for this episode, I haven't used it yet in any episode, and it happens to be If It Feels All Right. Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. all right. My favorite. Uh, So thank you, everybody out there as well for watching and listening. Thank you. Thank you. I appreciate that. Anyone out there who has any ideas as well as what you'd like to see or hear on the podcast for next season, please let me know. If you're a Patreon member, I will listen to you. If not, I will. (laughs) I'd like the band (laughs) says live. We please throw out your requests. We, we take all requests. We don't play them, but we take them. <laughs> That's one of our yeah standard lines. I like and, that. Uh, yeah. But I, I do take everything to heart, and I do appreciate everybody's time and attention and, and uh, feedback, certainly, because as always, my objectives for every episode are music, conversation, and connection. Amen. Thank you to everyone yeah. here and everyone out there, and I'll see you next season. Yeah, we love you guys. Right back at you.
It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points.